Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Oregon's 4th District has been held by the incumbent for 16 terms, and though many feel like it's time for a change, it is still an uphill battle for anyone who challenges the powerful people who hold elected office. Today on the Spent the Rent podcast, we are joined by a woman who has already received our endorsement as she has brought forward a platform focusing on a more promising world for future generations by addressing the issue of climate change, by working towards a more affordable future for the less privileged, and by taking on corporate power head on. Joining us for the second time, candidate for Oregon's 4th Congressional District, Doyle Canning. podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today is Democratic candidate for Congress, Doyle Canning. Doyle, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. So this is the second time that we've met with you. Uh, first time remotely. These interviews are interesting. Uh, I'm really glad you're doing this because I want, with this final push, we have what, three weeks? Is that correct? Until ballots are due in, we should be getting them in the mail soon. And I really am a fan of yours and I'm, I really like what your campaign is about. So I wanted to talk to you more at length. Hope, hopefully that, you know, some of my audience can get one last taste of what you're about. And then, uh, you know, hopefully they'll vote for you in three weeks. Thanks so for having me on the show. This yeah, is yeah, the last right. week to register to vote. It's really important. And if you have moved recently, in the past few years, you also want to check that your okay. address is updated. And this is the last week you have to do that. The deadline is April 28th. So I want to put that out right at the top of the show. Um, while you're listening, go online to canning for Congress slash register to vote. It'll walk you through how to update your registration, affiliate as a Democrat so you can vote in the primary, uh, and just make sure you're good to go to get your ballot. Cool. So we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes and I'm going to repeat this a bunch throughout this episode. It's canningforcongress.com. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so we'll put, you know, like she just said, if you, if you haven't registered or if you're unsure, there's no, there's no reason you can't re-register, you know, you can, I've done it. I've double checked because I was like, okay, it's getting close. And, and, you know, cause some of that stuff is done automatically. Cause in Oregon, you'll automatically be registered. But like you had said, one of the most important issues is, you have to register as a Democrat to vote for you in the primary. That's correct. So, so that's really important. So yeah, definitely make sure to do that. You can also go to vote.org, but you go to canningforcongress.com. That's the one we want you to check out. <laughs> so let's start out assuming that people that are watching or listening to this had not heard the first time that you were on. You came on back in January. You were my first, first interview in 2020, and little did we know what 2020 was going to bring. But uh, so that there's a few things that have changed and evolved as your campaign has grown. 
so why don't you tell us about your platform? There's, there's really four main things that you put on your website, climate change, mm -hmm. affordable future, immigrant rights, and taking on corporate power. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to focus on the three, the immigrant, immigrant rights we've talked at length. You know, I think that it's important we talk about the future stuff. And I'm going to ask you specifically about taking on corporate power. But in your words, explain to us your platform. Sure. Well, I've spent my entire career, the last 20 years, working as a community organizer and supporting and standing with communities that are fighting to um, make a better life and stop corporations from polluting the environment, uh, exploiting workers, stealing wages. You know, I take on big corporations and use people power to win, and that's who I am. Um, my platform is a reflection of those deeply held values, and I'm running because we need and we deserve representation that is not beholden to the interests of big corporations and lobbyists, but is standing with the people of this district of Southwest Oregon and ready to take a stand in Washington for the change that we need. And so my platform, you mentioned um, an affordable future, <clears throat> that becomes all the more resonant and relevant right now in the midst of this Absolutely. pandemic crisis and resulting economic fallout that we're dealing with. Um, top of the agenda is Medicare for All. And this was a signature issue for the Sanders campaign. And it's a signature issue for me and is widely popular all over our district, amongst Democrats, amongst Republicans, amongst independents. This is what the people want. This is what we need. It's what we've been fighting for for years. And why isn't it getting done? Because we have elected representatives who are taking campaign donations from the health insurance industry and big pharmaceutical companies who benefit from the status quo of our brutal healthcare system in this country. And every other industrialized nation in the world has figured this out. The only thing that is standing in our way is the lobbyists and the big money in politics that wants to block this change from happening. And that's why I'm running. And so unlike my opponent, I don't take money from the health insurance companies. I don't take money from big pharmaceutical companies. I don't take money from lobbying groups that are explicitly committed to stopping single payer. That is their purpose. That is their mission. And my mission is to secure healthcare as a human right in this country. Yeah. And, and I'd, I'd say that's like probably my number one issue that and climate change. So continue. Um, another element of fighting for an affordable future is housing. We've been out knocking doors and talking to voters since, you know, for many months, not now during the stay at home order, of course, but prior to that, the best conversations I had with voters and that our volunteers were having say, what's on your mind? They say housing, the cost of housing in Eugene Springfield, but also in Corvallis, also in Coos Bay, this resonates across our district. People are struggling to afford to pay for housing in this, in this community. And that is because of a broader economic system that has created such a, a gulf of wealth between the very richest three families in this country, as Bernie Sanders often says, control more wealth than the, than the bottom half of Americans. You know, the housing struggle that we have is related to that broader economic inequality 
but there are also really specific policy changes we can make to change that. Um, and so I support Senator Sanders' uh, bill for, that will invest a trillion dollars in building eight million new units of housing in this country, public housing and also permanently affordable housing. This is something that our district needs now. And we are the nation's capital of homelessness. We have more people in Eugene living unhoused per capita than anywhere in the country. This is a shameful distinction and one that will only change when we have real political leadership on this issue. There is certainly more that the city and that the state of Oregon can do around homelessness and should do and must do. But our housing crisis is symptomatic of broader structural forces that can only change with national leadership. You know, the West Coast is the fastest growing region in the country for homelessness. The, the pressures that we feel here are related to the skyrocketing costs in California and Seattle. And so we can't change this until we really take on the housing crisis nationwide. And that's what I'll do when I represent this district in Congress. I'm going to be addressing the housing issue with a guy, Thomas Fiorelli. I hope I'm saying that right, who is a housing advocate. And we'll be doing that in May, maybe still remotely, but he that's been on the books now for over a month, scheduled at least. And so that'll be really good. And we'll get to really in-depth on that. And I'll, I'll definitely send that one your way and you can hear what he has to say as well. Thank you. Uh, you, you had mentioned Bernie Sanders. I want to address... One of the reasons I continue to be a fan of your campaign, I mean, you had my vote pretty early on because I just do whatever James Barber says, but uh, no, but uh, uh, you know, you had, you had posted something on Facebook that was really heartfelt. And one of the things for me and for a lot of people, when Bernie Sanders left the campaign, it was really an, an end to hope for a lot of people. And you had posted something very optimistic. And if, if you can remember that, can you kind of touch on what it was that you had said briefly and what your message is to people that had supported Bernie Sanders. Before you answer it, I want to say one thing. For people that did support Bernie Sanders, local politics actually matters more than anything. And so here's a chance that is you're still in the campaign. You're still a, you're a viable candidate that if you are a Bernie Sanders supporter, you can vote for Doyle Canning in District you know, 4 for Oregon. And she's pushing a lot of the, the stuff that he was about. So then I'd like you to touch on that Facebook post if you could. Mm-hmm. Sure. So... After Senator Sanders suspended his campaign for president, a lot of our supporters were feeling pretty discouraged because they also supported Bernie. I want to say, you know, our coalition is broader than Bernie. hundred percent. And we're going to get into that in a bit. Yes. Yes. Um, But we do have a lot of, you know, a lot of supporters who are hundred percent committed to Senator Sanders message and platform and campaign. And so we looked at the FEC donor data, just for Eugene, just for Eugene zip codes of how many people in our community sent donations to Senator Sanders' campaign. It added up to over a million dollars, okay? This is Bernie country. (laughs) People here are feeling the burn. And when I went through that data and I looked at the occupations and workplaces of these folks. We're talking about a checkout clerk at Fred Meyer. We're talking about a teacher in 4J schools. We're talking about a nurse. We're talking about a bartender. We're talking about someone who works at Target. 
We're talking about scientists who work in labs at the university and professors and grad students. We're talking about a very um, diverse working class coalition that is behind Bernie's platform, behind it so much that they were sending money to Bernie every month from a hard earned paycheck. And that is really moving and really speaks to the power of this movement here in our community. And so I spent some time calling these folks and introducing myself and just saying, hey, you know, how's it going? Bernie has suspended his campaign. Um, and this was, you know, in the midst of the pandemic as well. And I talked to, for example, a bartender who was like, you know, I, I got laid off. Um, I work full-time job and I was all in for Bernie because I don't have health care. And now I feel like I never will. Yeah. And I said, hey, you know, I know this is really tough. Um, but I'm here building this movement and we need you in it now. And we're fighting for all the things that the Sanders campaign was fighting for. Medicare for all can't happen without Congress, okay? Right. Even right. if Bernie was president, there would still need to be a majority in Congress that wasn't just okay with it in theory, but was really fighting for it. And right. that's who I am. And so, you know, we brought in a lot of new volunteers in those conversations, folks who had volunteered on the Bernie campaign or who had wanted to, but never did. Um, but want, you know, wanted to have that experience of being part of a political movement. And that's, that's what we're doing now. And we've got a really strong network of volunteers all over the district who are reaching out to voters every day. Well, the work you've done on the Jordan Cove pipeline too, or fighting it, correct? Yeah. <laughs> and so, but the work you've done on, in, in that area, I've been following that and you're reaching out to people that probably have never voted for a Democrat that definitely now you have their support. And so that gets us to the next question, uh, you know, talking about your opponent and the Register Guard article. The Register Guard has endorsed DeFazio and they had a quote saying, it's not the time for the left to vote out DeFazio. Now, it seems familiar to a lot of people, the electability argument. And, you know, this is, it's funny because with people that supported Bernie and Biden, and we're not going to talk a ton about that, but it's the same kind of thing where people are like, it's not the time. Now let's not rock the boat. Let's not get any, let's not give the people anything they want right now because that'll motivate things too much. You know, th this is just such an argument that's been used for so long. And the article was pretty scathing. I mean, I, they called you a neophyte and some pretty, pretty harsh words, you know? So speak on that a little bit. How do you, how do you uh, combat the argument that you're an unelectable individual? Well, I had a different read on the Register Guard uh, endorsement of DeFazio. Um, you know, yes, it said that I was a neophyte. A neophyte means someone who's new to something. I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> that's a fact. Um, it's not necessarily pejorative. Uh, and it also said that DeFazio isn't the sort of representative who will make seismic changes in Washington. Right. Um, he's a, you know, a reliable defender of the status quo, essentially. It was very half-hearted and, and acknowledged that climate, immigration, 
healthcare aren't DeFazio's passions. That's not his signature platform. His signature platform is expanding highways. And, you know, it essentially urged readers to cast aside their concerns about the most pressing issues facing our community and our country today and, you know, continue to support someone who's been in office for 33 years because they've been there for a long time. Um, I didn't find it terribly a ringing endorsement. Sure, I agree. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the things that, that endorsement pointed to, which has become a popular talking point from those who oppose my campaign and my candidacy is that this district is, <clears throat> is very closely split between Republicans and Democrats and to run a progressive like me in this district is to risk uh, Republicans taking over. And that is, you know, the fear tactic that is being used to dissuade people from supporting me. I called the voter yesterday who answered the phone and said, Doyle, I support everything you stand for. I am, you know, 100% in agreement with your platform, but I'm not going to support you because of the Republicans. And he hung up. And so this is a very effective way to neutralize progressives and to make progressives feel afraid that we yeah. can't win. But here's the thing. This district is not like, they say like, it's not like the Bronx and Queens where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is from. And it's certainly not, it's different. We are a unique place and we have our own um, quirks and characteristics here in Southwest Oregon. And we have to look at who won the primary for president in 2016. And that was hands down Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders won against Clinton in Lane County and Benton County by 31 point margins. Right. These are monster margins that are unheard of in politics. Now he also won in every county, Douglas, Curry, Coos, all of them by double digits. So the democratic electorate in this district is progressive. Like I sure. said, this is Bernie country. And the Cook Political Report, the crystal ball, you know, the, the analysts who predict elections rate this district as safe Democratic, likely Democratic. Like this district isn't going to suddenly become Republican overnight. Right. Like well, that's two, not happening. There's two things that are happening too. I mean, I, I do want to speak a little bit on the Republican side and we'll get to that in just a second on their candidate. But, uh, you know, when people in, we'll just say in the middle, in the Democratic Party, forget about the progressives. And they're like, it's too, too, it's not the time to rock the boat. They're basically saying that their values don't matter. And that this is this goes into your Facebook post. I wish I could put a link to it somehow, but it's buried down and you've been posting a lot. And so, but uh, I shared it at least. But the thing is, is when the progressives are ignored and forgotten, they might not turn out. So if it's that dominant of a progressive district, mm -hmm. how is it that people in the party are just willing to ignore their needs because they're like well but you can just vote for so, sort of what you like even though it's i don't know that's a whole different issue anyway so the 
I have talked to a guy, one of my customers, I've been trying to get him to come on. He's a pre- he ran for president of the college Republicans for the U of O. And he's a really cool kid. Honestly, we talk politics. My, my boss hates it. When the shop is open, we talk politics and he's got some really good, uh, skills at talking. We don't, we don't, we'll totally butt heads and whatnot, but we don't jump each other's throat. We just kind of, cause we agree that we just have a difference in strategy. It's not like we're bad people, you know what I'm saying? In the parties. And he was really raving about, is it Alec Scarlatos? Is that how you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was raving about him. And you know, it's, I mean, I don't know a ton about him because again, I'm not, I think you'd have to put a gun to my head to make me vote for a Republican, but uh, you know, it's, it is, it is one of those things where he's, he's younger than Art Robinson. So it's a little bit different. So what's to say that he can't beat DeFazio himself, you know, you know, because there's so much new stuff, this newer person in this youthful thing. Now, my biggest concern in the general election isn't the candidate that they choose, that the voters choose, whether it's you or DeFazio, it's the facts that this shutdown now They've, you've got the, you know, the president beating the drum that's saying that this is Democrats doing this, even though all 50 states governors have done it and none of them have opened up yet. You know, and so what are you going to, what would you say to that? I mean, obviously it's a health risk and we should be shut down for the time being. Congress's job would be to allocate funds and they've done that. And it's slow to come. Well, to th- sort of. Right. The, we can well, talk more about the CARES Act and, um, yeah. you know, I the mean, giveaways it, to big corporations. Sure, and, sure. And so the next yeah. step, I mean, Ro Khanna, I'm sure you are, are on board with this. Ro Khanna has proposed $2,000, basically UBI, mm-hmm. uh, universal basic income, until this whole thing is done. And, yeah. and it goes back, and I mean, he even goes on, it's pretty pretty far reaching. Now, that doesn't give me much optimis- optimism that it's going to pass. Can you speak on that a little bit, the, the proposal by Ro Khanna and a couple others about, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you can speak on that more. Well, you know, here's the thing about the crisis that we're in. It's about a virus and the virus needs to be eradicated before the economy can recover. And that's just the fact of the matter. <laughs> and yeah. so in order to stop the spread of the virus, people have to stay in, at their homes. In order for people to stay in their homes, they need to be able to pay their rent and pay for groceries and survive. Um, and when you can't leave your home and you can't work from home, that's just not very possible. And so that's where the UBI comes in as a universal policy that makes it possible for us to stop this virus. Yeah. And yeah. if our objective is to stop the virus, then the UBI policy is really the only solution. Now there are some other um, proposals floating around. Ilhan Omar has introduced a bill that would cancel rent and mortgage payments. Um, there is Rokana's UBI. There is a bill from Rashida Tlaib that is also a, a UBI kind of proposal. And that's what I support. You know, I've been clear from the start. The UBI. That our, yeah, because, yeah. you know, I'm in touch with reality. <laughs> and the fact that people in this community can't just stop working and not get paid for no. months on end. Like, right. that's not going to work. And so, you know, I don't know what people in Washington are thinking, but the feeding frenzy by corporate lobbyists and to, to get a piece of the action on the CARES Act 
means that most of the beneficiaries are the wealthiest Americans and big corporations. Right. And, and yeah. it's a it's a travesty. And the Democratic leadership let that happen. And they're doing it again. We we have a moment right now as we speak where the Trump administration, Senate Republicans and House Democrats are trying to come up with a an agreement to kind of tack on more money because the money for small businesses is already gone. Right. Okay. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> already gone. And um, people aren't able to access their unemployment benefits, even if they're eligible for them. Right. Like yeah. this, this is a mess. Like it's not working very predictably for a lot of people. And so something has to give and there has to be another stimulus um, bill. And, and so the question on. is like, you know, are, is democratic leadership, my, my opponent included in that, <laughs> he is a member of the democratic leadership, going to actually use the leverage that they have as the folks who control the purse strings in Congress to make sure that we get what we need to survive. And right. so far, the answer is no. And, you know, this is why I'm running for Congress, because what good is an opposition party if they're not willing to put up a fight? And the terms that were agreed to in the CARES Act that the House Speaker and my opponent crowed about saying like, oh, you know, there are guardrails, there's going to be oversight, like this won't be a slush fund for the Trump administration. Um, it is a slush fund for the Trump administration. He's already removed the oversight, yes. the, the inspector general. He's, you know, already changed the terms on numerous of these bailout packages or is trying to and getting away with it. because. Congress is not even in session, okay? They're not working right now. And Nancy Pelosi has refused to change the rules so that they can have remote voting and remote hearings and Would continue you, yeah. to do their job in yeah. the midst of the biggest crisis we've faced as a country in a generation or more. Right. It's, it's ridiculous. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable, yeah. And then again, I mean, I hate to agree with Trump, but he's in there. It's not necessarily on why I, I he's talked about a joining Congress, you know, and I, I don't agree with why I'm, that's not the thing. But yes, during a crisis, it's a travesty that they could not be working right now. And actually, you know, at least talking about ways to help everyone. I mean, everyone, it's not, it's not just small businesses. I mean, small mm -hmm. businesses are massive mm -hmm. and they're getting left out. But then you've got, when they start to tell people like myself that are independent contractors, okay, you're going to be eligible. I've literally heard nothing from the unemployment office. And then I'm in this weird dilemma because I, because when, okay, what happened with me, my personal story is that when my barbershop shut down, I instantly signed up for like Uber Eats. It took a longer mm -hmm. time to get signed up with Grubhub, but mm -hmm. I signed up with Uber Eats and then they froze my account because they're free. They're not letting new people sign up because there's too many people doing it. Because mm -hmm. to me, that was my unemployment because I knew right. that I wasn't eligible. And then this bill passes and they literally on the unemployment office are telling you, you don't have to look for work because it's risking your health. Right. So I can go drive for Grubhub now, which is way better than Uber Eats, but that's a different story. They actually, they, you know, they respond to you. Anyway, long story short, I'm not willing to take that risk. Actually, my girlfriend is like, mm -mm, like you're not doing it. And then going out and then coming back in with whatever you mm -hmm. might've gotten right. you know, the exposure. And so at what point do I just give up and then go in? And then a week later, I'm going to get a call from the unemployment office. That's like, you could have worked this entire time. 
there's so much conflicting stuff going on. It's really mm -hmm. frustrating. And my biggest fear, because I've seen how things go in politics, is that Republicans are going to use this as a talking point that Democrats did this to you. Right. Even that's already that's, started. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and it's effective. And what do you do in that moment? And that's why people like you, one of the things that I think is so inspiring about your campaign and why I do believe that you can reach across the aisle to voters from, you know, I don't like that term across the aisle because that's a bit more about like in elected officials, but where you can reach out to people that are maybe unaffiliated or more conservative leaning with their views is because when you're willing to meet face to face with people like you are today with me, that when you're willing, like Chris Wig, my guest that I just had, he's, he's uh, works for Willamette Lane as a board of directors and he's part of the Lane County Democratic Party. When people are willing to meet face to face and actually do something, that goes a long way with the voters because they're like, this is an individual that's just like me that is willing to, you know, be a civil servant. And that's huge. And so, you know, now I want to talk a little bit moving on to uh campaigning remotely. And yeah, some of the things that you've done are are pretty neat. Um and we can talk about each each one coffee with canning. So mm -hmm. using Zoom like we're doing right now, how yeah. have those been pretty successful? Have, be, have people been signing up to do that? So you basically have a one-on-one -on -one interview with people? Well, yeah, it's like a, you know, a group thing. And last week was really great because we had people, supporters who called in from Coos Bay, from Roseburg, from Lynn County, um, and Corvallis, like all over the district. And people were able to just talk about like what are things like in your area and uh, you know how's it going with the stay-at-home order and we had a supporter on our call who is uh, working at the hospital in Coos Bay and was able to you know just share like the ground truth of what's what it's like and um, it was very powerful and uh, important for our community to be connecting, sharing stories Absolutely. and supporting each other right now. Um, and so that's our, our coffee with Canning. It's every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and uh, it's a Zoom call like this one. So those and ones are, are <laughs> typically, is it is it really just through Facebook or is that also, you can find the link through your website, but Facebook yeah. is where you, Facebook is where you host them. So again, I'm going to mention it one more time or a bunch of more times. Canningforcongress.com. You'll find links to all the Instagram, Facebook and all that stuff. Definitely follow your Facebook page. That's what I have done that I get the most updates from. Another thing that you've done that I think is really funny is between two furs. Now that was <laughs> yeah. definitely, I mean, I'm going to call you out that it's, that you, that you were stealing the idea from Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> the, between two ferns. Is that true? I mean, a little bit, the inspiration. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a joke. It's, yeah, it's really fun. It's I don't fun. think he would see it as stealing. He no, would, no, 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 know, no. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. A little side <laughs> note with the, with between two ferns with Zach Galifianakis, that was when, <laughs> Uh, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act was launched, was on mm -hmm. between two ferns. Those are so funny. The one with Hillary, <laughs> the Hillary Clinton one was really good. And they're good sports. And you know that they agreed to be kind of the butt of the joke a little bit on those. But I mean, they flipped it on him more than normal. Because if you watch the one with, with Bruce Willis, it was Bruce Willis was pretty upset. <laughs> but those are good <laughs> between two ferns. And then uh, you've done the virtual town halls and that sounds kind of similar to what the coffee with canning is, but tell us a little bit about virtual town halls and how effective those can be. Mm -hmm. We've got one coming up in a few days that's hosted by Sunrise Eugene, which has endorsed my campaign and candidacy. And it's a, a joint 
uh, event with Jamie McLeod Skinner, who's running for Secretary of State and is also committed to taking no corporate money, is also a really strong environmental champion. And so we're going to do that together. I'm really looking forward to it. And you can tune in with your questions, comments, concerns, and now we're going to talk about- again? Who is that again? Uh, Jamie McLeod Skinner is running okay. for Secretary of State, which is the other um, you know, important down ballot race of this election. It's a statewide election. And uh, I believe there are four candidates. Um, and Jamie is one. And she ran for Congress in Eastern Oregon in 2018. She, I've been kind of following her and been a fan of her since that time. So I'm, I'm excited to do this event together. That's cool. Uh, so let's see what else here. You know, there's, there's, this has been such a trying time and it's, I'm, I, I'm really inspired by watching what you've done, what you've continued to do campaigning and not letting it kind of get to you. I mean, it's, it's, it shows, you know, back to the Rokana thing, talking about UBI, when you get, I don't want to be ageist by saying this. Okay. But when you, I will just say stagnant. It has nothing to do with age. People that are politicians that are stagnant, that have been in office for so long. When you get fresh blood and younger, youthful thinking people, forward thinking, there's things that they address that are so important. Because with the UBI proposal that Ro Khanna has, PayPal and Venmo and ways to get your money, it's, mm -hmm. they've thought about things that people aren't addressing. And I think that's, right. really, that's really huge. Rashida, you know, her proposal was... Uh, like a, an EBT card, basically. Yeah. Like there's already a system of administering funds to families. We can scale it, we can use it um, and get it in the hands of everybody. Because here's the reality. <laughs> the folks who are most vulnerable don't actually use banks. And that's why check right. cashing places in this neighborhood, you know, are so popular and prevalent. And a lot of folks are... Um, you know, who really need this support, um, trying to send them a check is going to delay the delivery of that support for so long that, you know, they're going to fall through the cracks. Like time is of the essence here. Right. And this virus is spreading, like the, the casualties are mounting every day. Yeah. And so any kind of red tape, like we need to get rid of. And that's why I support the UBI proposal. Now my opponent is opposed saying like, well, that means that, you know, millionaires would get this check too. Um, Ro Khanna's proposal is, does have an income cap. I don't remember what it was. It it's, might have been. It's, I, I could be wrong on this, but it, it's, yeah, um, it's a lot. I mean, like, and so, you know, but for me, it's like tax that back next year, like tax that back when it's over um, from the highest income earners. If it means we can get it out faster to the lowest income people. Right. Okay. Like what matters right now is saving lives. And that's the objective. And saving the economy as well. I mean, mm -hmm. we can't, they keep talking about opening up the economy, but what's going to happen when we open up and then people are then like, whoa, wait a minute, this was a bad idea. And this isn't something that <laughs> I don't want, you know, because like I had said before, you get, you get the president beating the drum saying that this is Democrat, Democratic governors that are doing this. What's going to end up happening, and I know this is going to happen, is some of the more conservative states are going to reopen, like Texas are going to reopen and they're going to be like, oh crap, this was a mistake. It's so, it's so frustrating. And nobody wants anybody to, to open up as a test run to show, to prove us right. Cause I don't want 
contrary to belief, one of the things that makes me a progressive is that I care about everybody, even the people that hate me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, mean I, I, I care about everybody. That's why I always love the patriot argument. People are like, you don't love this country. I'm like, no, no, I love everybody, like human beings. It doesn't matter if we have different views. So I'm not some, you know, I'm not demonizing these people for having different viewpoints. They're, they're wrong. <laughs> no, no, but, and not on everything. I mean, I, there's things where, like you had said, in this area in Oregon, we have such kind of uh, mixed views. We've got a lot of conservatives. I live in Thurston. You know, all my neighbors have different viewpoints than I do. But one thing that we can agree on is, is that we love our families, we work hard, and we care about each other in different ways. And so that's really important. Well, Doyle, this is really cool. Uh, I'm going to say it one more time. Doyle Canning for Congress or Canning for Congress.com. The link is in the show notes as always. Uh, it's really, really important for my listeners to throw their support your way. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, everywhere. And so that's really important. The dates, let's talk about some dates. Okay. So the 28th is the last day to register. So we're going to actually lie to people and say the 25th. <laughs> no. So this is this week, guys. So mm -hmm. when you're done with this, go to canningforcongress.com, re-register, uh, you know, just to make sure that you're registered as a Democrat. I understand At right your now. Address. For a lot mm -hmm. of people, I understand right now that they're like, I'm so frustrated with the party. Well, join the club, you know, but I'm still registered with the party because I want to, sh you know, show my support to you and some other people that are running as well. Uh, you know, that date. And then the election is what date? It's May 16th? Is that May 19th is May your 19th. last day to vote. So people are already voting in this election, which is pretty exciting. Ballots have already been mailed to people who are overseas and absentee. Okay. okay? You here in the district listening, you're going to get your ballot at the end of April. They're mailed at the end of the month and it's going to come in the mail yeah. and you get to fill it out and mail it back. Postage paid. It's so easy. This is yeah, what yeah. should be happening all over Ev the country. Everywhere. There's no question. <laughs> so I got an exciting thing coming up too. Uh, because of the interview that I did with you back in January, uh, I had someone from Albert Lee's campaign reach out to me. Uh, he is running for district three, I'm, I'm pretty sure, which is Multnomah County up in Portland. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited because I don't know why they want to do it because my audience is primarily Eugene, but there's a few people. But what I'm excited about is to show that there's people from different, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds, from different uh, diverse backgrounds. He's an African-American man that share, share similar views. You know, he's mm -hmm. a different candidate than you, but I'm sure that you guys fall in the same area on a lot of things mm -hmm. and so it's really neat and he seemed i've only seen a little snippets with him he did an interview on uh, uh oregon news and views with with alan zundell which is mm -hmm. a cool little show to watch if people don't watch that i encourage them to but you know it's, i'm using that as talking points there's a lot of crossover and it's really cool alan and i have built a cool friendship he's actually asked me one thing i want to say before we get out of here he's actually i don't know if i'm supposed to say this but he asked me if i wanted to become a voting member for social advance, which is an honor because I've never been included in these kind of things. And as I've started to open it up to have guests like you and different people, Chris Wig and some local politicians and whatnot, people are starting to kind of throw me into their club, which is really cool. And, and Alan also has been incredible. He donated some money to the podcast to, to, you know, help me get through this tough time. And that is one thing I'd like to say, if you'd like to help me because I'm not working because I don't have unemployment, you can go to the podcast website strpod.com slash sponsors. Any of those donations, I'm going to pay taxes on them. So to me, it's income because this podcast has 
in two years, I've built it into something that is profitable, which is insane. So it's a really huge deal. But if you can, if you'd like to be an individual sponsor, anybody, you can go to strpod.com slash sponsors. I'll put the link in the show notes. Yes, definitely important to support our artists and content creators right now. We couldn't get through quarantine without you. No. And yeah. <laughs> hit the Venmo for sure. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool. That's the the ish. Uh Joey Helpish, a good friend of mine, has a new online venue and he's really innovative and it's been a real hit where people are temporary admins of the Facebook page. And so they jump on and they broadcast live performances and every night it's different people. It's really cool. cool. It's really cool. And they're doing, he's been asking me to do my podcast on there. And I think I might do a, a weekly episode where we'll drop that on his, his venue. It's pretty neat. Well, Doyle, this is really cool. What do you have going on today? 3 PM today, you have phone banking. I know that I, that was one thing. <laughs> we have a training. Yeah. Three times a week. If you want to get involved in the campaign, and volunteer from home, we need you. Now is the time. This election is gonna be won or lost in the next few weeks. Right. And it depends on how many people we can contact. We know when we reach out and talk to people and tell them about the campaign, they're on board. So right. we, that's all we gotta do. And we need your help doing that. We would be out knocking on doors right now if we could, but we can't. So it's all about calling people and texting them. And it's easy to do. We have a dialer. It's not as fancy as the Bernie dialer, but it's the same kind of idea. And there's a training today at three to learn how to use it. We offer that training three times a week and we have three volunteer shifts every day. So please join us and get involved. If you've never done it before, that's awesome. Most people volunteering for our campaign have never been involved in politics before and are jumping in because this election matters. And we have an opportunity with this campaign to send a message that, you know, the Bernie movement is strong in Oregon. We are not going quietly and we are continuing to fight for the change that we need. Medicare for all, an aggressive Green New Deal, free public college, debt-free education. These are things that we need now and that my campaign is fighting for and we need you on the team. So. Thank right. You. And strength in numbers. I mean, the more it's like you had said, Bernie never ran as, as uh, it was about him. I mean, there's no way, like right. you had said before, there's no way he could get some of the stuff done if he didn't have the support of Congress first. Right. And so the more people like you that we get and people like Albert Lee that we get in office, the more that we can actually get Medicare for all to become a reality. So mm-hmm. it's that, like you said, we're at the final crunch. So all hands on deck. And so that gives me a segue to the song that I chose to play at the end of this episode. This is nice. a song off my most recent, uh, EP release. Um, it's called From the Dead, but the song is called All Hands on Deck. So this is me, Patty Rose, with All Hands on Deck. Doyle Canning, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Stress to the guild, anxiety, constantly feel like it's burying me. Smooth sailing sobriety does not exist. What's carrying me is the weight of my support system, my foundation, my place to rest, my anguish. It's time that
left, I see. 